Today we've got Wes Hopkin. He is the vice president of Easy Integrations here in Columbus, Ohio. Wes is helping to form the voice capital of, of the world here in Columbus, Ohio by showing businesses and consumers the power of voice. He is integrating with businesses and consumers in their houses and commercial properties, physically adding the automations that allow the voice assistants to control all of the technology. His big point that he hits home is that voice allows him and his business to meet customers where they are. Today I've got with me Wes Hopkin, the Vice President of Easy Integrations. Wes, welcome to the show. Thanks, Patrick. Glad to be here. So we're sitting at your office right now and just was able to see a demo of the Easy Integration system. Uh, you just said, a, what, what was the scene that you said? You told her to open, open the store. Open the store. And when you tell her to open the store, what, what happens around here? Uh, so when we tell it to open the store, what it does is it actually turns on lights in certain rooms, our main hallway in our lobby. Uh, it opens the blinds in the front lobby as well as some window shades in the sales office and, and uh, my office as well. So that's, that's one of the offerings that your business provides for consumers and other businesses, right, is the ability to automate some of the processes that they do around their house, some of the technology... Uh, to make their experience a little bit better in the house? Well, yeah, it's it's really to make the interaction with the technology that much simpler. Mm. Um, everybody kind of has a different way of controlling things and commanding things. And so through the flexibility that voice offers us, we can really get down to custom tailoring individual phrases that people want to use um, to control different things. And so while we say open the store, somebody else may say, you know, start the business day or, you know, I'm home um, as an example. So it's that increased flexibility that voice is really providing that's taking that frustration or kind of that barrier of ease of use for mm -hmm. people um, and really providing uh, a specific experience for every individual user, not just like the whole household, but individual people in the household or the business can refer to the same thing using different phrases. Yes, yes. So did uh, did Easy Integration start off using voice in their offering, or where? What, what were the beginnings of Easy Integrations? Sure. So we started back in 2007, which obviously predates any of the voice uh, assistants. Um, and so that first level of interaction was really through phone and mobile applications. So on your iPads and your, your iPhones and everything where you would bring up an application that provided that centralized control of all of the technology in your house, um, whether it was a television or uh, blinds, lighting, thermostats, those kinds of things. That was really our starting point. And then here probably about two and a half, three years ago is really when voice started coming into the picture. And how did that uh, shift happen within the company? What, how did it pop up on your radar? What were like the conversations that you guys went through where you decided, okay, we now need to expand and include voice into the offerings of our company? Yeah, so we're always on the lookout for new technologies and new capabilities that we can offer our customers. Um, we have a variety of ways of doing that, our own internet research. Um, we have several trade publications that talk about new technology and new products from different vendors. Um, as well as annual conferences 
that um, highlight new products that are being offered um, and, and new features and kind of ways of implementing things. So some degree part research and some degree part bringing stuff in-house for us to play with and test with <laughs> and kind of figure out how we get the most out of the hmm. technology. So you saw it getting chatted about in some of your publications on the web. You see hype starting to build around it. But was there a, was there like a customer that really was like, okay, they were sold on voice, well included, or was there like a feature that you saw and you were like, wow, this is this adds tremendous value to me and my customers? Or was it... What, what it was, was really it? Was that one... ease of use. Yeah. You know, it, with the apps, um, it was a great interface for people, and it was a convenient interface because we once people got used to dealing with most things through their phones, that's how they wanted to interact with everything in their lives. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's a calendar app or, you know, something to control their security system, everybody wanted an app on their phone that they went through and they controlled the technology in their lives. And... While that was great, there were still limitations um, that were existing in that product where, you know, what worked great for one person um, wasn't intuitive for another person. And especially when you were at home, right, in some cases it could be faster to get up from the chair on the couch and go turn on the light switch in the room than go into an app, wait for the app to load up, go to the screen on the app to control that switch and then hit the switch and wait for it to respond. Um, voice provided us just a higher level of convenience and speed when interacting with the technology in the house. So, you know, when you're talking about your television or a light switch or changing the thermostat settings, you literally just tell the voice assistants what you want it to do and you have that, you know, one to two second response and it happens. It's faster than getting up out of your chair. It's faster than bringing up an app, and it's more intuitive because, again, we can custom tailor those phrases to exactly the way that people think about talking to those devices. So it becomes very natural, and it takes that intimidation factor out of the interface. Yes. One of the things that we heard when we went down to the Alexa conference in Chattanooga back in February, one of the keynote speakers was saying, all of the technology of the past, the user had to adapt to the platform. The user had to understand that pushing the mouse up, oh, there's a little bit of lag time, but then this little thing on here moves, and if I click, then this happens. Or if I open up an app, if I pinch the screen, it zooms out. Or if I swipe from the left, the hamburger menu opens. The user was always having to understand the language of the app or the technology that they were interacting with, but with voice, there's less of those guidelines and much more the technology itself has to adapt to the user. I agree. You know, it's kind of flipping that model uh, on its head, and it's taking the circumstance of, like you said, the consumer having to adapt to the technology and teaching the technology to adapt to the consumer. So have you guys, um, has that changed your design process at all of, you say the, um, you account for all of the members. So when you're building out the scenes or designing the routines or testing out an experience, is it very, you look at the customer and see the exact phrases that they're saying or was there a difference in the testing process and your design process when you were thinking about it with voice? Yeah, typically with the voice, there's a learning curve that we go through. So you know, we've done a lot of these installs, and so we have kind of some best practices and guidelines that we initially design the system out with, and then it's really kind of going through that learning curve with the homeowner mm -hmm. or the business owner and understanding, does this work for them, uh -huh. or do we have to, you know, make some adjustments and and rephrase certain things or use different terms for a room or a device okay. so that it's, you know, 
in this particular circumstance in a house, for example, you think about lighting over a kitchen island. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some people may refer to them as pendant lights. Other people might call them puck lights, you yes. know, and other other folks might just go, it's the kitchen island lights. Yes. You know, and so being able to have the flexibility through the voice interface of that one device being called multiple different things. Yes. Um, really makes it easy to use for everybody in the household or everybody in the business because then they can refer to things as they think of them rather than having to learn this particular set phrase of, you know, turn on the kitchen pendants. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so let's dive into some of the, well, yeah, let's dive into some of the customers that you guys have already done some work with. Sure. One of the big ones that I've been interested in is the Dublin Aging in Place. Okay. Which is... Um, I can give a little speech, uh, and then maybe you can fill in some of the gaps. Is a movement that's going on in the city of Dublin by the city, the government of Dublin, Ohio, to uh, help elderly populations stay in their houses and to stay connected with technology, um, to help them live more independently using voice technologies like Amazon Alexa. Yeah, so Dublin has been very progressive in coming out with programs to help its residents. And one of their latest initiatives is dealing with aging in place. As the baby boomers are all in retirement age and um, in their golden years, uh, the city doesn't want to lose those people to other areas. Um, and they want to provide not only housing options for them that are attractive to them as they downsize or make other transitions in their housing, but they're also looking at ways that they can utilize technology to deal with the trends in people aging in their homes and wanting to stay at home rather than transitioning to a skilled care facility or a nursing home. Um, you know, the target and the goal is keep everybody in their home, you know, that's where they've spent their life acquiring. Um, and they don't want to lose those things or that feeling of independence. So how do we help them with technology to main that, maintain that independence and keep them safe and, and give them kind of that home environment that they can adapt with as life's changes come to them? And they decided voice was the answer. Is Aging in Place centered entire Aging in Place put on by the city of Dublin, mm -hmm. um, is it entirely focused around voice or is voice just a component of the plan? Voice is just a component of the plan. Um, they're really looking at all technology and services that can help people um, as they're aging in place. So, you know, skilled care um, facilities. Um, there's a program um, called Share. Um, that's mm -hmm. a company that does transportation, um, yeah, and they do sharing, it for right? business. Yeah, it's it's really kind of a shuttle service, um, and it's designed to help um, members in the community um, and businesses to get their employees through rideshare to different destinations. Um, instead of relying on individual transportation or walking somewhere mm -hmm. um, when you have a greater distance where, where that's not feasible. And now, what has been Easy Integration's role within the Aging in Place master plan? Yeah, so uh, honestly, it kind of goes back to our beginnings and our roots. Um, the reason that we got involved in this industry in the first place is that um, my grandparents on my dad's side of the family both um, came down with terminal forms of cancer in the late 90s, early 2000s. And so our goal with our technology background and everything and dealing with computers and IT, um, we really wanted to make it possible for grandma and grandpa to stay at home as long as possible in that process. Uh, because when somebody 
is removed from their house and goes into a nursing care facility or something like that when they have medical conditions. Um, the progression of the down, downward trend um, in those diseases accelerates once they are no longer able to be independent and be in that home environment. So we wanted to keep them at home as long as possible, but we wanted to make sure that it was safe for them to be there. And should they have a problem and need assistance, they got that assistance as quickly as possible um, without my parents or, or me and my brother having to make runs over there at you know one two o'clock in the morning to check on them you know those kinds of things we wanted to see what we could do with technology to extend that time period they were at home and so the goal with the aging in place side now is that same kind of thing because we're like we can't be the only ones that have this issue and have this concern and um, as we have this huge explosion in the baby boomer population of retirees and seniors, um, that's really coming to the forefront of uh, an area of concern in a lot of communities, and Dublin is being very active in trying to address that through all means possible. Mm -hmm. Have you found any other um, regions here in Ohio that are expressing similar tendencies towards innovation like that, or do you think uh, Dublin is kind of leading the pack and they're kind of off on their own right now? Yeah, I think you're starting to see more communities um, embrace those things, um, but I think Dublin is at the forefront. Um, part of it has to do with the, the large population of retirement and senior care centers that are in Dublin. Mm -hmm. um, but as, as we've seen with Bridge Park and other projects uh, that are you know um, multi-use um, kind of cases in the communities, Dublin is trying to adapt to the changing needs um, on a variety of standpoints to meet kind of that need for each different group, whether it's, you know, the young executives um, or people that are seniors and they're wanting a walkable environment where they can walk from their house to the grocery store or walk to, you know, the restaurant that they like to go to. Um, making it more convenient but also safer for them to enjoy those kinds of activities. Okay. And for so aging in places with the City of Dublin, we talked a little bit about some work with other special needs in general. So wh where else, how else are you guys working with special needs in voice and automation? Yeah, so we also are working with the um, different area county boards of developmental disabilities. Um, we started off in Delaware County and we've expanded that to Franklin and some of the other surrounding counties. And so what we're able to do is we're able to adapt our systems to help families that have loved ones um, that have developmental disabilities or have different um, physical disabilities, you know, where their mobility is limited um, or they have limited motor function so that um, it's safer for them. Family can have peace of mind in knowing that they're in a safe environment, whether it's a young child or whether it's an adult, um, in order to be able to have kind of that functionality um, in daily life that um, they wouldn't have the same level of without the technology. So, you know, motorized doors, for example, um, you know, the ability to open a garage door with an app or with your voice, um, being able to turn lighting on in different rooms and lighting pathways when they come home, um, and even controlling, you know, electronics like televisions and those kinds of things. Um, when you have people that can't, can't operate the same way that 
the average person does, how do you adapt technology to give them that full functionality and capability? Yes. Um, you know, from that safety perspective, but also from the perspective of just getting the, the most out of daily life and that independence and that, that full value. And one of the ways that you guys do that is you set up these routines or these scenes that help to automate a lot of the technology so that the consumer just says what they want, I'm going to bed, and then the rest of the technology in their house just interacts to that. They don't need to jump between different apps, they just say what they're trying to do and then the house reacts to that and they're the unique setup that you give with them. So mm -hmm. can you explain a little bit more about what a routine is and a scene and how you guys use them? Sure. So. Um, so you have devices in your house, whether that's a light switch, whether it's a ceiling fan, a thermostat, a door lock, um, all of these things are kind of individual devices. Um, what a scene does is a scene controls one or more devices, okay, through one command. So whether it's a voice command on saying, you know, I'm home, or whether it's a physical pushing of a button on a switch. Um, that's what a scene does. Now a routine kind of takes that a step farther and you can combine multiple devices, multiple scenes um, from different systems even um, that will respond with a single voice command. And that's when you get into things like, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you say, you know, good morning. And the voice assistant responds with, uh, oh, hello, good morning. I hope you slept well, something like that. But then it goes into turning lights on in the bedroom and maybe the bathroom adjoining. Um, it'll open up, you know, window blinds if you need to, turn on the TV to your favorite television station to watch in the morning, mm. all from just saying good morning, mm -hmm. you know, or turning on, you know, your radio station that you like to listen to in the morning. Um, all those kinds of capabilities. And you can do that same kind of thing as kind of you come and you go from your house. You can say, I'm home, and it'll unlock the door disarm the security system um, for the aging in place and special needs. It can open a motorized door, um, you know, light a pathway for them if it's nighttime. Um, all of these kind of intelligence kind of features, um, all from like a single command or single interface. And all of those would be scenes? Um, it's, well, the routines kind of combine those scenes mm -hmm. and individual things from different systems. So. You know, in the example that I gave of, you know, I'm home, uh -huh. okay? Well, your door locks, that's one system, you mm -hmm. know, whether that's Schlage or Quickset, you know, they have their system and they have a tie-in with the voice assistants, mm -hmm. whether it's Google Home or Amazon um, and their devices. Um, you have things called skills or on the Google side, I'm trying actions. to remember the actions, um, you know, that you're tying in these different manufacturers' products or the different hubs, mm -hmm. um, controllers for the different systems, um, so that you're talking to these multiple pieces and interfaces, but you're saying one thing, and then it's handling inside of the routine all the commands to these different pieces. So the door opening is one system, the door lock is another, the security system is another, the lights is yet another system, mm. and it's just pulling everything together so it acts like one integrated system. Okay, so would I be correct in saying that a scene is more customizable than a routine? Or is that not... Because with, with a scene, it sounds like I, you could add in there things like things that Alexa would say back to you. 
or actually the other way around so the routines are the things where you'd have oh. like the the response from the voice assistant yes um and the scenes are they're highly customizable themselves mm -hmm. um but not to the degree of like a routine for example okay or an action okay yep. flip it around maybe routines are a little bit more correct customizable than a scene mm -hmm. okay um and now the, the we were talking a little bit about another company you worked with, the Nice Song Institute. Yeah, so the Nice Song Institute is a, a group that's organized to further um, the knowledge and the development of um, technology for people with special needs. Okay. Um, and so they actually have a. Um, mock-up of a one-bedroom apartment mm -hmm. um, down in one of the buildings at Ohio State University um, that displays some of the things like the voice assistants working controlling things like lighting or you know in, in special needs environments you have different concerns that are going on as well um, you could have somebody with a wonder history of wandering mm -hmm. and so maybe the assistive technology there is you have a camera system and in that camera system, you can actually draw a line on each video feed and tell the, the camera system that when you see somebody walking away from the house on this camera, I'm going to send an alert and notification to the caregiver or the family member that, you know, hey, so-and-so has gone outside of this boundary around their house so that you don't have a history, you know, aging in place, people that start developing Alzheimer's. Um, and other other conditions, um, this can be critical to getting a response to that person wandering off before they stray too far, and then now they're having to call the police department and mobilize a search party and those kinds of things. It's a big safety element there. voice assistants you can do all kinds of things and you can even do something as simple as telling her to show me the front door camera mm -hmm. and so somebody comes and they ring the doorbell and you want to see the front door camera on a mobile device or on the television in your living room um, that allows that person to see who's at the door verify that there's somebody that you know they should be interacting with and can let into the house mm -hmm. and then either they can go to the door and open the door themselves mm -hmm. or if there's mobility concerns then they can, you know, send another voice commander, press a button on an app to unlock the door, open the door to let somebody in. And we're talking about trying to make Columbus the voice capital of the world. You guys are literally going into the communities and installing the devices that are, it sounds like based off the research, extending human life with voice, allowing people to stay in the homes that they were going to stay in, which you, what was that yeah. statistic you were saying earlier, that by staying in the house... It increases. Yeah, yeah. So you know, when somebody's able to maintain their their sense of independence mm -hmm. and their their own environment, um, you know, it's just uh, history has dictated that when somebody transitions from that independence, they lose that independence and they're into a skilled care facility. Um, the, the diseases tend to accelerate in their progression. They have a fast, faster progression in. Um, the development of symptoms and, and the downward kind of trajectory of the patient. Okay. Um, 
and I'm, I'm not a medical professional, I can't tell you what that okay. is, but I know from talking to medical professionals that they've expressed that that is the trend that happens mm -hmm. um, many times. And so, yes, uh, you could say in a way we help extend lives because we help people stay at home and stay in that environment that they're familiar with and, and love. Yeah, I, I, so my head was running in two, two places. One um, was the ability to use this with uh, homeowners and Airbnbs and integrating in that sense. We're working on an assistant right now for um, Airbnb owners to be able to automate and act as like a property manager there. And now I'm thinking, well, there's a lot that goes into that when it comes to the hardware of creating a unified experience of the TVs and the door locks and everything else. So potentially figuring out, um, talk off the books of maybe uh, what it would take on your guys' side to possibly handle hardware, and we handle the, the voice assistant with that to talk. Um, and I, there was something yeah, and was... I'd love to explore that because uh, we, we definitely have that um, in circumstances where you've got snowbirds and um, people with vacation properties. Mm -hmm. You know, even here in Ohio, you have people like up at Indian Lake, they have a cabin or they have, you know, um, something up by Lake Erie mm -hmm. where they go and they're there occasionally but the rest of the year you know they're renting it out to somebody or they're wanting to keep an eye on it and be able to be notified of certain things. We've got customers that have um, you know water sensors and water shutoff valves and have temperature sensors and thermostats and we can set thresholds and warnings for conditions you know like okay it's 20 degrees outside and the thermostat's set to, you know, maybe 64, mm -hmm. but it's currently reading 60 degrees and it says the heat is running, but the temperature keeps going down. Mm -hmm. um, you want to know that problem before it gets too cold in the house and you have to worry about pipes freezing and bursting. You know, if you mm. have a water leak that develops, you want to know that that happens between, before it floods the place out and causes a lot of damage. Mm -hmm. um, and we can come in and through the combination of water sensors and water leak to, uh, water shutoff valves, we can come in and, okay, a leak has been detected here, we shut off the water, you know, to here. Bam. And so that's flowing into even things with insurance companies offering discounts to their policyholders for having these kinds of devices in place because they know the impact that it has on claims mm. and damages to properties. Interesting. So is that a selling point to be able to say, hey, you're in... If you talk to your nationwide insurance and tell them that you're getting this device, your insurance is going to go down when that in the long run is going to cover the expense of you doing this. So you're, it, just, it makes financial sense to go with this because you're going to save money in the long run. It does. And um, from a lot of different perspectives, the homeowner's insurance, that comes down significantly um, with people that have some of these systems in place. Mm. Um, the other thing that it does is we're reaching a point now where the millennials and Gen Z are starting to get into the housing market. Yes. Um, and as they're entering the housing market, they're having their impact based on their preferences. And so what in, you know, the, the 90s and early aughts was a sign of a home being move-in ready and having granite countertops and, you know, redesigned kitchen spaces um, is today is your automation technology and these components of technology built into the house. Mm. And um, Caldwell Banker did a national study back in 2016 um, on the impact of home automation and technology being present in a house versus houses that don't have any of the technology in place. And what they found was 
on average, homes were going for from up to 18% more at sale compared to homes that didn't have the automation and technology built into them. Uh, and they also spent less time on the market. Their average days on market before they sold came down significantly. And so if you're looking at a, an investment standpoint in a house, right, if you're investing in the right types of automation and the right controls, then you can actually appreciate the value of home and reduce the amount of time it takes to sell your mm -hmm. house when it comes time to do that. Yeah, and, and going doubling back to the elderly population, if you are a property manager and uh, you house some elder people in the older age groups, you can potentially increase the amount of time that your customers are staying with you. You can increase your customer attention because your customers are now, uh, they have higher accessibility to technology. Correct, and it makes their home environment more accessible too. Yes. Um, you know, if, and uh, there's actually a uh, news story that was done by a television station in Sacramento, California, um, just uh, a month or so ago, that highlighted um, a, a senior community center that actually implemented putting Amazon Echoes in every residence unit. Mm -hmm. And they were teaching them how to control things like the thermostats and turning on lights and those kinds of things. And it was, it's been a very popular program with their residents. Um, it, and they've just loved it because it's easy to use. Um, it gives them somebody to talk to. Um, they can interact with the voice assistants. And um, they can ask them different questions and say, you know, tell me a story, tell me a joke, all these kinds of things. Um, but the biggest thing was the accessibility that it provided them. And, um, you know, as they had residents that were there that were wheelchair bound or had other mobility concerns, just the ability for them to be able to control things with a voice command mm -hmm. um, made a difference in the, their quality of life. Yes. Accessibility is a very interesting point for me with voice because it is a very natural way to interact. But at the same time, you do have to have a certain level of knowledge in order to interact with it. We were talking a little bit about, okay, how, how, what do I need to say in order to raise those blinds? Or what do I need to say in order to do this? Mm -hmm. Once you know it, you say it easily every time. I could turn on all the lights in my house. I can uh, modify the temperature. I can turn off the lights. I can do everything. But there was that little bit of a learning curve. So how do you guys respond to that? What do you guys do? Um, either to educate your customers or to modify the system to be better for them? What, what's your tactic? Yeah, so we take them through kind of a process to help with that learning curve. Um, we have documentation that we provide all of our customers um, that lists all of the different voice commands and what those individual commands control specifically. Um, and then we have, you know, on those same sheets, the actual phrases that they would use to... Um, do those voice commands. So, you know, whether it's, you know, turn on the kitchen lights or close the blinds, um, those commands and phrases are right there for them to be able to access and help with that learning curve. And we take them through some of that process as well. Um, we'll actually spend, you know, half a day out at a customer site and train them on using the system and the different voice commands mm -hmm. <laughs> and helping them out. Um, there's also capabilities built into those voice assistants to help them understand um, that particular individual's speech patterns. Mm -hmm. So the way I pronounce door is different than maybe the way that you pronounce door, mm -hmm. you know, or, right. or um, shades is a different one. Um, soda. 
Right. Dayton. Dayton. Mm-hmm. And just like different people's accents and, and those kinds of things, um, there are actual um, training um, scripts that you can go through with the voice assistants. And what they do, they have a specific set of like, you know, typically about eight to ten different phrases that the voice assistants guide you through saying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they'll say, say this phrase, and then you repeat that phrase afterwards. And at the end of that training, what's going on is there's a little AI happening in the background. And so it's analyzing this person's speech patterns so that it understands how they pronounce different words um, to increase the accuracy of the response from the voice assistants. Right. Um, And you can even do that by individual. So we can create profiles inside of the voice assistants Mm -hmm. for, you know, Mr. Smith. Mm -hmm. And then Mrs. Smith has her own voice profile. And they each go through the training, and that helps the voice assistants identify the person by their voice. Mm-hmm. And so now, not only does it understand better each person in the way that they pronounce things, but it'll actually switch the profiles on the devices right. based on the voice that it thinks it's hearing. With the new Google Home Hub, they have it uh, with face as that identity recognition, so that because uh, the new hub has the camera on it. Correct. So when you walk in front of it, uh, it sees your face, says, that's Patrick or that's Wes. And then if it's Patrick, it says, it will talk without me prompting it. And it will say and engage with me twice a day. It's exactly twice a day. It'll give me, hey, Patrick, here's your morning calendar, just from my face. Mm -hmm. But yes, exactly. With the voice match, it's nice. I remember sitting in the kitchen with my dad and I said, hey, Google, um, what's on my calendar? And then it it replied in a female Google voice. Here's, Pat, here's your calendar. It didn't say Patrick. It just said, here's your calendar, and read the next couple events. Mm-hmm. My dad, sitting right beside me, then said, hey, Google, what's my calendar? Now, my dad has a male voice assistant, so it said in the male voice, here's your calendar, and then it read his calendar. No going into an app, no in the top of Facebook clicking change account or going into an app and then tapping on the Instagram and changing account. My voice was my identity, and it changed it. And I think that that is something that we haven't really grabbed onto yet that is going to be really big is no more username passwords as identities. Mm-hmm. I am starting to become the identity that signs me into my device. My voice changes the accessibility to my calendar and the ability to use my credit card. My face tells Google, okay, I'm going to give him his calendar. It's a face lock on the, we use our fingerprints on our phones. We use our face as the face recognition. It's like, do you think that that's a pattern or do you think that um, we will always have a place, this is kind of off topic, but do you think that there, we are getting closer towards that you are your identity and voice is a part of that or that Username and passwords will always serve a purpose. No, we're definitely trending in a direction of getting away from usernames and passwords. And it's it's kind of from two different angles are driving that. Um, yes. One is the security concern. Yes. Um, you know, uh, security has become such a hot topic um, in the technology world um, because it doesn't seem to matter what you do, um, there's still a possibility of your account being compromised. Mm-hmm. And most people aren't going to do these 16 or 32 character long random passwords that, you know, they can't memorize. Mm-hmm. And then you have to have a different one for every account that you have in your life. Definitely not. It's just too much to manage. It's too cumbersome. Um, and for anybody who has had an account compromised, um, they know the hassle that they have to go through to change all of those passwords and user IDs on all of those accounts. Um, so, Passwords back in the era before the internet and everything getting connected to the internet was okay. It was a manageable kind of thing. 
but now that we're in the internet world and we're having these security concerns and these cyber um, breaches and everything that are happening, um, that old model of username and password needs to be replaced. Um, and so these things that you're seeing with like the fingerprint on, you know, iPhones and, and Samsung phones and other mobile devices and things like, you know, the face recognition um, and the voice prints. Um, those are all different directions that companies are exploring to find out what is this alternative to a password. Mm -hmm. Because they want to do something that meets the consumer and an area that works for them. It's mm -hmm. convenient for them. But at the same time, they have to come up with something that's secure as well. And anytime you're implementing a change, there has to be an improvement yes. provided by that change, right? People yes. have to see the value in it, and there has to be a very real reason for making that change, that conversion, because change is difficult. Yes. Right? Oh, yeah. Needs so, you know, if we're changing away from passwords, okay, if we're changing away from them, it better be more secure. It better be harder or darn near impossible for somebody to violate, mm -hmm. you know, and, and get through. And so that's what you're seeing is different implementations and kind of different testing from, from different manufacturers on, well, what is the best alternative? What is the most reliable alternative? What's the most secure? And that's a learning process too, because as those companies develop those technologies, then right behind them are the people that are trying to compromise those technologies. And that's when they really learn well, maybe this isn't as secure as we thought it was, or maybe it's, you know, not as user-friendly as we thought hmm. it was. It's like every cowboy going out looking for gold, there's always a bandit right behind ready to take the gold once he finds it. Right. <laughs> Interesting. So the last question I wanted to touch on with you was um, modalities. Okay. When, uh, when we were talking right before the show, you were talking about next big thing. Mm -hmm. You were saying was uh, potentially having the assistance on device on your smartphone. So mm -hmm. the Google Assistant on the 2.5 billion Android devices, yep. voice capabilities are already in there. And some of the other modalities like car or your refrigerator or your clock or the walls in your office space. Yeah, we're even seeing now like smoke detectors and CO2 detectors yes. that are, you know, have the voice assistants built into them. What do you think the benefit there is for, for you as a company and for your customers that are doing business with you? Yeah, so what that's tying into is that's tying into another trend that's been going on for probably the last five to ten years, which is everybody wants the convenience of the technology, but they want it hidden. They don't want a big tower speaker, you know, on the floor in front of their television. They want it hidden in the wall. You know, they don't want a big giant... Um, you know, Sonos One or, so, you know, Sonos Play 3, you know, sitting on their countertop and they have to haul it around from room to room, you know, or they've got to make space for it. Mm -hmm. They want it built into a speaker in the ceiling or they want it built into some other device that's in the room that has technology that just blends in with the environment. And so you're seeing in these different devices that we've had present in the house for a long time, they're now incorporating those things. The televisions are incorporating it. The smoke and, and carbon uh, detectors are coming out with them built into them. So it's another way of extending the reach of those devices into other areas of the house, which improves, again, your experience because it's 
wherever you go, you can get to it. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, it's also just kind of blending it in with the already built environment. Meet people where they are at, because you guys also do that. You take the take. It seems like that's everything about your company. You're trying to find people where they're at, and you're trying to have technology fit into their lives better, rather than other way around. Them trying to fit into the world of technology. You're trying to reverse that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all about convenience, right? And it's meeting people on their terms. And so, how do we best do that? How do we give them the capabilities that they want, um, but do it in a way that's palatable to them? And so, whether that's a, a design aesthetic or whether that's a you know uh, interface um, experience, uh, it's really built upon meeting people on their terms and taking the time to sit down and have those discussions with the client, and then design out a system that meets those needs. Mm -hmm. Thank you for joining me. I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk um, a little bit about how people can find more about Easy Integrations, um, whether that's here in Columbus or if they're listening to this. A lot of our listeners are out of California. Okay. So yeah. how, they, how they can find some information about you. Is that Facebook? Is that email? What do you recommend? Yeah, yeah. They can find us, um, you know, through email. They can reach us at sales at letter E, letter Z, um, and then a hyphen, integration.com. Um, they can go out to our website, which is just www.ez-integration.com. Um, we have a blog out there as well where we talk about a lot of different things. Um, we are out on Facebook. We're out on Twitter. Um, there's a lot of different ways for people to reach out and interact with us. It has been a pleasure to hear how you have implemented voice into automation and into special needs, and I'm very excited to see how you helped turn Columbus into the voice capital of the world. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having us on the podcast, Patrick.